Chapter 14 of the Legends and Myths of Hawaii. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The Legends and Myths of Hawaii by King David Kalikua. Chapter 14 Umi the pleasant prince of hawaii part one the historic legends of liloa haikau and the kihapu section one nowhere on the island of hawaii do the palms grow taller than the valleys of waipio and nowhere is the foliage greener for every month in the year they are refreshed with rains and almost hourly cooled in the shadows of passing clouds and sweet are the waters that sing through the valleys of waipio they are fed by the tears of the trade winds gathered in the shaded gorges of the mountains where they find their source and are speeded to the ocean by hurrying and impatient cascades through black channels fretted with boulders and fringed with everlasting green tradition says the waters of waipio after their first descent from the hills at one time crawled quite sluggishly to the sea but a great fish larger than the island of kala whose home was in the depths off the coast of hamakawa required more fresh water than was furnished by the principal stream of the valley and kane who was friendly with the monster increased the volume of the little river by creating new springs at its sources and accelerating the flow by raising the bed in places and providing additional riffles and cascades the great fish no longer frequents that part of the coast of hamakawa but the cascades and riffles remain with the broad finger marks of cane upon the rocks hurled into the gorge to create them although but thinly populated now waipio was for many generations in the past a place of great political and social importance and the taboos of its great temple were the most sacred in all hawaii for two hundred years or more it was the residence of the kings of that island and was the scene of royal pageants priestly power and knightly adventure as well as of many sanguinary battles waipio valley was first occupied as a royal residence by kamikoluya near the middle or close of the thirteenth century and so continued until after the death of liloa about the end of the fifteenth century for some reason not clearly stated the successor of liloa removed his court from waipio to the opposite coast of the island although the glory of the old capital departed with its abandonment as the royal residence the taboos of its great temple of pakalani continued to command supreme respect until as late as seventeen ninety one when the heiau was destroyed with all its sacred symbols and royal associations 
by the confederated forces of maui and Kauai in the war with kamamehameha the first although the story about to be related opens in the reign of leoa which closed with his death in about fourteen eighty five it is pertinent to refer as briefly as the strange circumstances of the time will permit to the father of that sovereign the great kihei concerning whose career many curious traditions survive the reign of kihei was long and peaceful he was endowed not only with marked abilities as a ruler but with unusual physical strength and skill in the use of arms in addition to these natural advantages and accomplishments which gave him the respect and fear of his subjects it was popularly believed that he possessed supernatural resources and could call to his aid in an emergency weird forces in opposition to which mere human endeavor would be weak and fruitless under the circumstances it is not strange that the chiefs of the neighboring islands deemed it prudent to court his friendship and that no great wars distracted the kingdom during his reign among the means at the command of kiha for summoning to his assistance the invisible forces subject to his call the most potential was a curious war trumpet the notes of which when blown by kiha could be heard a distance of ten miles even from waipio to waimea according to the character of the blast its voice was either a summons to unseen powers a rallying cry to the people or a dreadful challenge to battle this trumpet was a large seashell it was a native of foreign waters and another like it could not be found in the hawaiian group it was ornamented with rows of the teeth of distinguished chiefs slain in battle and could be so blown as to bring forth the dying groans or battle cries of all of them in dreadful dissipation many legends are related of the manner in which kiha became possessed of this marvellous shell but the most probable explanation is that it was brought from some one of the samoan or society islands three or four centuries before and had been retained in the reigning family of hawaii as a charm against certain evils in the hands of the crafty kiha however it developed new powers and became an object of awe in the royal household whenever may have been the beneficent or diabolic virtues of this shell clarion of kiha of the kihaiapu as it is called its existence at least was a reality since it is to-day one of the attractions of the royal hawaiian museum of honolulu brought down by the kamehameha branch of the kihea line when vigorously blown it still responds in sonorous voice suggestive of the roar of breakers around the jutting cliffs of hamakua 
but lono no longer heeds the mandate of its call and brown-armed warriors come no more at its bidding of the many strange stories still retained of the kia pu one is here given nearly in the language in which it has come down in hawaiian chant and song a story of the kia pu for a period of eight years during the reign of kiha the kiha pu was missing from the cabinet of royal charms and treasures a new temple was to be dedicated to lono not far from waipio and feathers of the mamo oo and other birds were required to weave into royal mantles and redecorate kaili and other gods of the king's household but one of the kahu ali constituting the five classes of guardians of the royal person was permitted to touch the kiha nor did any other know of its dispository in the king's chamber his name was heolu he was the son of a distinguished chief and his office was that of the ipukahua or spittoon bearer a position of peculiar responsibility which could be filled only by persons of noble blood and undoubted attachment to their sovereign desirous of hastily assembling and dispatching to the neighboring seashores and mountains a large party of feather hunters the king reclining in the shade of the palms in front of the royal mansion commanded hilo to bring him the kia pu that he might with a single blast summon his subjects throughout the valleys of waipio hilo proceeded to the chamber of the king and a few minutes after returned pale and speechless and threw himself at the feet of kiha tearing his hair lacerating his flesh with his nails and exhibiting other evidences of extreme agony and desperation nothing ever startled a sovereign of the line of pili under all circumstances he acted with apparent deliberation it was a natural trait strengthened by example and education kiha calmly regarded his ipukahula for a moment and then said what spirit of evil possesses you rise hilo and speak hilo rose to his feet and with a look of despair exclaimed it is no fault of mine but tear out the tongue that tells you the kiha is gone without replying the king with a terrible scowl upon his face rose and strode into his chamber parting the curtains of kappa which secluded the back portion of the apartment he stepped to an elaborately carved and ornamented ipu a container shaped and hollowed from the trunk of a koa tree he found the vessel open and beside it on the matted floor the several folds of kappa in which the kiha had been wrapped but instead of the sacred trumpet he discovered at the bottom of the ipu a hideously carved head and face of stone the shell had been adroitly abstracted but the image that had been left in its place saved the life of hilu 
for by it kiha discerned that the theft and substitution that had been achieved through supernatural agencies the loss of the kiha pu was a great grief to the king but he did not deem it prudent to admit that he no longer possessed the sacred talesman and therefore announced to hilo that the trumpet had been found under the pretense that it had been carelessly misplaced by hilo kila declared that he would be its sole guardian thereafter there was great joy at the court when it was learned from the lips of the king that the kiha pu had been found yet it was observed that it was not used to summon the feather hunters and after the sun went down that evening many thought they faintly heard the music of its voice coming in from the sea and the king detected the familiar sound and fearful that others might hear it as well called together his poets and hula dancers and permitted their boisterous merriment far into the night early in the evening while the palace grounds were a scene of revelry the king repaired alone to the great temple of palakalani not far from the royal mansion to consult with the high priest and put in motion the weird forces of the heiau for the recovery of the kihapu he took with him the image left in the ipu as a possible means of assistance and enjoined a solemn secrecy upon every kahuna taken into the confidence of the high priest the most noted kilos seers and prophets of the temple were ordered to apply their arts and a kalua inspired by incantation was questioned from within the anu of the inner sanctuary the clouds were noted the flights of birds observed and the dreams of drugged priests interpreted but nothing satisfactory was developed prayers were offered to the gods sacrifices were laid upon the altar and the vitals of freshly slain pigs and fowls were carefully examined but the only information obtained was that the kia pu had been stolen by the chief of a band of demi-demons or human beings controlled by evil spirits that it was no longer on the island of hawaii but somewhere on the ocean beyond the eight hawaiian seas that it would one day be recovered by a being without hands and wearing neither mantle nor marrow but not until a coca tree planted in the next full of the moon should yield its first fruit to be eaten by the king so far as concerned the theft of the kiapu the seers of the temple had spoken correctly for some months a dense forest in the mountains back of waipio interspersed with marshes and patches of rank undergrowth had been inhabited by a small band of wild-looking men who boldly helped themselves to the pigs fowls and fruit of the neighboring farmers and held noisy festivals almost nightly within the gloomy recesses of their mountain retreat they were said to be only half human and capable of assuming other 
than their natural forms they had occasionally visited waipio in parties from two to five and entertained the people by telling fortunes and exhibiting strange feats of posturing and legerdemain in the guise of an old woman the chief of the band had entered the royal mansion and stolen the kiapu leaving in its place the hideous stone image mentioned then as if the object of their stay near waipio had been attained the entire band embarked the evening of the next day in stolen canoes for Kauai. when safely off the coast of hamakua the demon chief had defiantly wound a blast from the kiapu which the king had sought to drown in a tumult of the hula kia departed gloomily from the temple the loss of the sacred trumpet affected him sorely it had long been an heirloom in the royal family of hawaii and its powers had been increased during its reign in obedience to the revelation of a kalua of great sanctity he had secretly deposited it in a cave near the summit of mauna kea and retired to a valley below near the middle of the following night a sound unearthly and terrible came echoing down the mountain side followed by a hurricane which uprooted trees and tore great rocks from their fastenings and hurled them into the gorges below the earth trembled as if a volcano was about to burst forth and a ruddy light hung about the summit the sound ceased the wind fell to a whisper and kiha rose to his feet in the darkness and said it is well the great lono has kept faith he has blown the sacred trumpet and henceforth it will have the voice of a god the next morning he repaired to the cave and found the shell not where he had left it but on the top of a huge rock with which the entrance had been forever closed he raised the trumpet to his lips and such sound as his heart desired came forth at the bidding of his breath he breathed a simple call to his subjects and it was heard the distance of a day's journey he gave a battle blast and his ears were stunned with the mingled cries and groans of conflict he ventured an appeal to the unseen and to a weird music around him rose gnomes fairies and grinning monsters he returned elated to the palace and more and more as the strange voices were heard did the kiapu become an object of awe and wonder although he took every possible precaution to keep from the people all knowledge of the loss of the kiapu the king had little faith in the assurances of the seers of the great temple that it would in time be recovered the conditions of its recovery were too vague distant and unsatisfactory to be entitled to serious consideration however within a few days with his own hands he planted a coca tree near the door of his chamber and had a strong fence placed around it 
he visited the spot daily and saw that the ground was kept moist and in due time a healthy shoot came forth to reward his watchfulness the members of the rough household wondered at the interest taken by the king in a simple coca sprout but when it was intimidated that he was making a new experiment in planting his care of the little tree ceased to attract remark and now while the king is anxiously watching the growth of his coca tree and carefully guarding it from accident and blight let us follow the travels of the kia poo instead of sailing for Kauai through the island channels the band of demi-demons took a northwest course intending to reach their destination without touching at any intermediate point the powers of the kiapu were known to them and their chief amused himself and his graceless companions by testing its virtues when off the coast of maui a blast of the trumpet brought near ukanipo a terrible shark god sent by kula the powerful but exacting god of the fishermen of that island on a jutting headland could be seen a hiu dedicated to him and his wife hina hundreds of sharks followed in the train of ukanipo they surrounded the canoes and lashed the sea in a foam separating they formed a great circle around the little fleet and swiftly approaching drove a school of flying fish across the canoes many striking the sails and falling into the open boats and thus providing an opportune supply of favorite food sighting molokai they thought of landing to replenish their water calabashes but as the coast was rugged and the wind unfavorable a blast of the trumpet was blown to kula Eu, the goddess of rain instantly there was a commotion in the heavens black clouds began to gather round them and they had barely time to arrange their kappa sheds and funnels before the rain poured down in torrents and filled their calabashes to overflowing believing the kiapu would bring them anything they desired and returning thanks for nothing received when off the northern coast of molokai near kalapapa they sounded a call to lamanoa god of the winds who since the days of molokiha more than two centuries before had occupied a cave on that island enraged at an appeal for favoring winds from such a source la manoa opened the mouth of the ipu in which he kept the winds imprisoned and turned it toward the sea a few minutes after a hot fierce hurricane struck the canoes of the miscreants upsetting two of them and tearing their sails in tatters the chief had sufficient presence of mind to call through the trumpet for my kahu lipu the god who assists in writing upset canoes and the foundered boats were soon restored to their proper positions and partially freed from water 
but there was no abatement in the violence of the wind for more than a day and night the canoes were driven before it almost with the speed of a shark until finally their drenched and wearied occupants heard before them through the darkness the sound of breakers against a rock-bound shore the danger was imminent for paddles were useless raising the trumpet to his lips the chief called for uhuma a powerful fish god no response came and the cliffs frowned before him as he hastily trumpeted for apukohai another fish god of Kauai, whose acts were usually cruel and malicious the spray of shattered waves against the rocks began to wet the canoes when they were seized by a force unseen drawn away from the cliffs swept around a northward point and flung by the waves upon a sandy beach not far from koloa thus escaping with their lives the party traveled overland and joined a band of congenial spirits in the mountain back of waimea where they remained until they were driven from the island for their misdemeanors leaving Kauai, they crossed the channel and after moving from place to place for some years finally took up their abode in a secluded spot waiolani on the island of oahu in the possession of the kiapu ika the chief of the band who claimed it as his individual property became cruel and dictatorial to his companions he esteemed himself little less than a god and demanded a full half of all the earnings and pilferings of his associates as the kiapu was the cause of this exaction one of the friends of ika not daring to destroy or purloin the shell resolved to despoil it of its magic powers to this end with great offerings of pigs and fowls he consulted a priest of lono at wainini and was told that a taboo mark placed somewhere on the shell with the approval of lono would accomplish what was desired as the priest alone could place the mark upon the shell he consented to visit wailani and remain in the neighborhood until the trumpet could be brought to him everything having been arranged one evening ika without great persuasion was made drunk with awa when the shell was stolen and conveyed to the priest who with a point of flint hastily scratched near the outer rim a p mark or taboo cross meantime burning incense and chanting a low prayer to lono can its powers be restored inquired the friend of ika as the tabooed trumpet was returned to him not while the taboo mark remains replied the priest not until but no matter its magic voices are silent now before ika awoke from his drunken stupor the kiapu had been restored to its usual place of deposit the next morning ika partook of more awa 
threw over his shoulders a cape of red a color sacred to the gods suspended the kiapu from his neck with a cord of human hair and went proudly forth to receive the homage of his companions but they refused to accord him the honors to which he imagined he was entitled and in his wrath he raised the trumpet to his lips to blast them with a proclamation of his superiority a natural and monotonous sound issued from the shell he regarded it for a moment with amazement then replaced it to his lips and poured his breath into it with the full force of his lungs but its many voices were silent its thunder tones had been hushed he hastily re-entered his hut to escape the comments of his companions and discovered after repeated trials that the kiapu had lost its magic powers and in his hands was nothing more than a simple shell not doubting that it had been deprived of its virtues through supernatural agencies ika visited a renowned kilo or wizard living near wailua taking with him the kiapu which was enclosed in a pouch of kappa that it might not be observed the age of the kilo was a hundred and twenty-four years and he was totally blind subsisting upon the bounty of those who sought his counsel finding his hut after some difficulty ika presented him with a roll of kappa which he had brought with him from wailani and a pig which he had stolen in the valley below and implored him to ascertain if possible the cause of the disenchantment of the kiapu taking the trumpet from ika the kilo passed his wrinkled hands over it for some minutes and then retired with it behind a screen of mats leaving his visitor under the eye of an old crone who had admitted him without a word and seated herself beside the opening it was a long time before the kilo reappeared and it was then to inform ika that little could be learned concerning the kihapu he had employed every means known to his art and finally appealed to uli the spring god of sorcery when the reluctant answer came that the kiapu had been silenced by a power greater than his i dare not inquire further said the kilo returning the trumpet will its voices ever return to it will your cowardice allow you to answer that question inquired ika in a sneering tone yes replied the kilo with an effort restraining his wrath and speaking calmly yes its voices will be heard again in hawaii among the hills that have sent back their echoes ika would have questioned the kilo farther but the old woman rose and pointed toward the door and with a look of disappointment he replaced the shell in its pouch of kappa and sullenly left the hut returning to waolani 
Ika abandoned his lofty pretensions and mingled again with his companions on terms of comparative equality, thus restored him to their friendship, and remembering the words of the Kilo, he prevailed upon a majority of them to accompany him to Hawaii. Stealing boats at Waikiki, the party set sail for Hawaii, and the fourth day landed at Kawahi, in the district of Kohala. There they abandoned their canoes, or exchanged them for food, and in parties of four or five, proceeded across the island by way of Waimea, and soon after took possession of their old quarters in the mountains back of Waipio, after an absence of eight years. In all these years, what had become of the coca tree planted by Kiha, with the coming of the first fruits of which the magic trumpet was to be restored by being without hands and wearing neither mantle nor marrow? For seven years he had watched and nurtured its growth, staying it against wind and storm, and guarding its every leaf and stem. It was a vigorous and shapely tree, and its leaves were above the touch of a battle-spear in the hands of the king. But no signs of fruit appeared, and the heart of Kiha was troubled with the thought that the tree might be barren, and that the gods had mocked him. The seventh year of its growth had come and was going, when one morning he decried among its branches three young coconuts scarcely less in size than his clenched fist he thought it strange that he had not seen them before and then wondered that he had seen them at all for they were closely hidden among the leaves but there they were to his great joy and he watched them day by day until they attained an age and size at which they might be eaten he then sent for the high priest and pointing to the fruit said behold the fruit of the tree planted by the hands of kiha at the rising of the sun to-morrow i shall eat of it will the gods fulfil their promise o oh, chief replied the priest i do not see the means but you planted the tree the fruit is fit for food eat of it to-morrow if you will the gods are all-powerful at daylight the next morning the fruit was taken from the tree and the king drank the milk of the three coconuts and ate the meat of all first giving thanks to the gods he then threw himself upon his kappa mo until the sun was well up in the heavens when he rose and went forth to meet his chief adviser as was his daily custom and learnt from his spies and other confidential officers what of importance had transpired since the day before the only information that seemed to interest him was that a lawless band of strange men apparently the same who infested the neighbourhood some years before had reoccupied the marshy forest in the mountains back of waipio 
and would doubtless become a scourge to the planters in the upper part of the valley it was through such a band that i was robbed of the kiapu thought the king it may be that the very same have returned and brought back with them the sacred trumpet the ways of the gods are mysterious communicating the thought to no one kia dispatched a discreet messenger to reconnoitre the camp of the marauders and in the afternoon secretly visited the temple of pakalani where he learned through the koalas that the kiapu was somewhere on the island of hawaii the sun was sinking in the west when the messenger returned with the information that the chief of the demon band was ika who with many of his followers had been seen in and around waipio many years before these tidings had scarcely reached the ears of the king when a tumult was discovered at the main gate of the palace enclosure and a few minutes after an old man with his arms bound behind his back and followed by a strange-looking dog was being dragged by a crowd of officers and others toward the royal mansion in front of which kiha was sitting surrounded by a number of distinguished chiefs and titled retainers the man was well advanced in years and was clad in a marrow and kihi or short mantle of kappa while from his neck was suspended an ivory charm rudely carved in the form of a dog's foot he was above the average height and around his stooped shoulders hung a tangled mass of grizzled hair his beard was unshorn and from beneath his shaggy brows peered a pair of small and malignant-looking eyes he glowered savagely at his captors and resented anything that seemed like unnecessary force in urging him along the dog was a large misshapen brute with human-looking ears and a bluish coat of bristling hair it had a long swinish tail and one of its eyes was white and the other green the animal followed closely and sullenly at its master's heels uttering an occasional low growl when too roughly jostled by the crowd when within a hundred paces of the mansion the officers halted with their prisoner and an attendant was dispatched by the king to ascertain the cause of the excitement learning that the officers were desirous of bringing before him a man suspected of pilfering from the royal estates the king consented to listen to the accusation in person and ordering the prisoner to appear in his presence approaching the old man prostrated himself at the feet of kiha and the dog giving voice to a dismal howl crouched upon the earth laid his nose between his paws and bent his green eye upon the king kiha regarded both for a moment with an amused expression but there was something demonic in the appearance of the dog and after catching a glimpse of it 
he could scarcely remove his gaze from the green eye that glared upon him commanding one of the officers to speak for himself and the rest that the matter might be briefly determined the king was informed that the prisoner was a native of the island of Kauai, and some months before had landed with his dog in the district of kau that he was an awa thief and had trained his fiendish-looking dog to do his pilfering that the animal possessed the intelligence of a kahuna and the instincts of a demon and could almost steal the mantle from a man's shoulders without detection that the prisoner had been driven for his thefts from kau to kona and thence to hamakau that he had been living for some months past at kikawa where his dog pupalinaglina as he was called had become noted for his thefts that awa had been missed by the luna of one of the king's estates in the upper part of the valley that the night before a watch had been placed and the demon dog had been detected in the act of leaving the royal plantation with a quantity of awa in his mouth that the animal had been followed to the hut of his master who was found asleep under the influence of awa which the dog had doubtless ground with his teeth into an intoxicating drink since on being aroused the man denied that he had either stolen or chewed it and finally after some resistance the prisoner had been brought to waipio followed by his dog and was now before the king for examination and sentence after the officer had concluded his account of the misdemeanors of the prisoner by permission of the king the old man rose to his feet and was about to speak in his own defence when kiha turning his gaze with an effort from the green eye of the dog abruptly inquired what manner of animal is this and how came he in your possession o king replied the prisoner the dog was given to me by my uncle a distinguished kala of Kauai, and it is believed that he was cast up from the sea enough exclaimed the king with a gesture of impatience take them both to the temple of pakalani he continued addressing a chief with a yellow cape and helmet and there await my coming the prisoner and his green-eyed companion were removed to the temple and in the dusk of the evening kiha proceeded thither alone entering the royal retreat with which the heiau enclosure was provided he sent for the high priest and soon after for the prisoner and his dog they were conducted to the apartment and the door was closed a kukui torch held another opening throwing a glare of light into the room the king sat for a few breaths in silence while the priest was scanning the prisoner and his strange companion finally pointing to the dog kiha turned to the priest and said 
a wonderful animal a being without hands and wearing neither mantle nor marrow true returned the priest recalling the promise of the gods and should he be the messenger his services must not be slighted listen said the king addressing the prisoner i have faith and this animal can do me a service in a marshy forest in the mountains back of waipio a band of conjuring outlaws have lately found a retreat a magic shell of great power stolen from me many years ago is now in the possession of some one of them probably of ika their chief can you prompt this animal to recover the kiapu perhaps replied the prisoner then do so returned the king and i will not only give you the life you have forfeited but will see that you are provided henceforth with all the awa you have an appetite to consume with these words of the king the dog rose to his feet uttered a growling sound which seemed to be half human and approached the door no instructions are required said the old man he understands and is ready to start upon his errand then send him forth at once returned the king the night is dark and will favor him the door was opened and like a flash the dog sprang from the room leaped the closed gate of the outer wall and in the darkness dashed up the valley toward the mountains i will await his return here said the king looking inquiringly toward the prisoner he will be back a little beyond the middle of the night replied the old man with the kiapu inquired the king either with or without it was the answer leaving the prisoner in the custody of the high priest and his attendants kia walked out into the starlight his face was feverish and the kiss of the trade winds was cool the hue of pakalalani was a puhonona or sacred place of refuge one of the two on the island of hawaii and he wondered whether under any circumstances he could properly demand the life of the prisoner were he to claim the protection of the temple had he voluntarily sought refuge in the puhona there would have been no doubt but as he was forcibly taken there by royal order his right to exemption from seizure was a question of doubt dismissing the subject with the reflection that the life or death of the prisoner was of little consequence he had strolled toward the inner temple and reverently bowed before an image of lono near the entrance remains of recent sacrifices still smelt rank upon the altar and scores of gods of almost every grade and function looked grimly down upon him from the walls dim lights were seen in some of the quarters of the priests constructed against the outer wall of the enclosure and a torch was burning at the main entrance 
as the evening wore on the silence of the heiau was broken only by the hooting of the sacred owls from the walls of the inner temple and kiha threw himself at the foot of a pepper tree and was soon wafted out into the boundless sea of dreams after leaping the gate of the heiau the dog started up the valley with the speed of the wind as he swept past the thatched huts in his course those who caught sight of him for an instant were sure that they beheld a demon and the dogs that pursued speedily returned to crouch whiningly behind their masters reaching the upper end of the valley the dog followed an ascending trail through a steep ravine coming down from the northward stood snuffing the air at the verge of the forest within which the outlaws had found a temporary refuge distant lights were seen flickering through occasional openings among the trees and tangled undergrowth and at intervals strange voices as if of song and merriment were heard for some time the dog remained motionless and then stealthily crept into the forest what form he assumed how he learned of the hiding place of the kiapu and through what means he escaped discovery are details which tradition has left to conjecture it is told only that he succeeded in finding in the unguarded hut of ika seizing in his mouth and escaping undiscovered from the forest with the sacred trumpet so adroitly had the theft been committed that it seemed that the dog would surely escape without detection but in plunging down the steep ravine through which he had finally ascended to the forest he dropped the kiapu breaking from the rim a piece embracing the small p or taboo mark of silence placed upon it by the kalua of wainani in an instant the liberated voices of the trumpet poured forth in a blast which echoed through the hills and started the night birds to screaming the sound was heard by the reveling demi-demons of the forest and ascertaining that the shell had been stolen they poured down the mountainside in pursuit of the plunderer their speed was something more than human and the darkness did not seem to impede their steps from time to time the voice of the trumpet came back to them but it grew fainter and fainter in the distance until they finally abandoned the chase as hopeless ika himself suggesting that the kiapu with its voices in some manner restored to it had taken wings and escaped the king slept under the pepper tree until past the middle of the night when the hooting of an owl almost at his ear awoke him and he rose and re-entered the royal retreat where he found the high priest with a number of his attendants and the prisoner intently listening at the half-open door kiha was about to inquire the time of the night for he had neglected to look at the stars before entering 
when a noise was heard at the outer gate the prisoner stepped forward and threw back the door and the next moment the dog sprang into the room laid the kiha poo at the feet of the king and then dropped dead beside it the overjoyed king raised and placed the trumpet to his lips and with a swelling heart roused the people of waipio with a blast such as they had not heard for more than eight years liberating the prisoner who was grief-stricken at the death of his dog kiha ordered that henceforth be fed from the royal table winding another blast upon the trumpet the king returned to the palace around which were conjugated hundreds of excited people among them were chiefs in yellow capes and helmets and warriors armed with spear and battle axe summoning his alikoa or principal military leader a brief council was held followed by the sending forth of the plumbed aids of the king and the speedy concentration within the palace grounds of a picked body of three or four hundred warriors armed with short javelins and knives for close encounter the little army moved rapidly but noiselessly up the valley and at early daylight surrounded and attacked the camp of the demon band a desperate hand-to-hand -hand conflict ensued but the miscreants were overpowered and all slain with the exception of ika and two others who were reserved alive for the altar on the evening following in the midst of great rejoicing the kiapu was rededicated to lono and ika and his companions were slain without the walls and sacrificed with a host of other offerings in the temple of pakalani end of chapter fourteen umi the peasant prince of hawaii part one